locked off. We are approaching the end of November 2018, which incidentally kind of blows my mind. I feel like we just started 2018, and here we are at the end of it. Kind of makes me think of that theory I heard somebody explain to me one time about why time seems to kind of accelerate when you get older. And the way it goes is... When you get to be, you know, a little bit older, one year, for example, constitutes, relatively speaking, kind of a small portion of your life up to that point. So it's kind of insignificant to your, in the, in the context of your overall experience. And therefore it zings by. In contrast, when you're a child, say under 10 years old, a year, you think back to what a year felt like back then, and it's like it seemed like such a long time. Because one year, when you're, say, seven years old, is a significant portion of your entire experience up to that point. So it seems a lot more significant. So I don't know if there's anything to that. I uh, certainly can vouch anecdotally that uh, that is consistent with my experience of how I perceive things. So... I'm just going to stick with that. Anyway, we're here today to talk about Atari. This episode's called We Were Atari Kids. It's a two-part episode. I think I initially intended to sit down and do it all in one shot, and uh, that wasn't able to happen, so I broke it into two sessions and uh, decided to keep that break intact and release it as a two-part episode. So it is another kind of pre-recorded segment here, uh, pre-recorded in the sense that I didn't record it yesterday. It's uh, been sitting on it for a while, but it's all still completely true and relevant. So, And I think you guys, um, fans of Atari out there, you'll probably enjoy this one. I uh, certainly enjoyed recording it. Certainly, um, I wouldn't. I don't mind saying that it's of everything I recorded so far. This has got to be at the top of the list to have uh, the enjoyment factor because I just really enjoyed going through, um, coming up with what I want to talk about. I don't read a script on this podcast. I kind of do the outline method. I start by just just writing a bunch of bullet points down, things I want to touch on, and then I just kind of. You know, it goes where it goes. And when I remember, I remember when I sat down to do that for this, you know, just coming up with, oh, I remember this. Oh, and then it leads me to remember that. And so I got a bunch of uh, Atari related um, kind of anecdotes and stories and memories. And by the way, I'm saying Atari generically. Um, truth be told, a lot of it's going to be slanted toward Atari 2600, naturally. But that's not it, so that's kind of why I'm just kind of saying Atari and uh, not getting too specific with the uh, introduction here. So I'm going to touch on things like my introduction to video games and Atari in general, which I kind of touched on in the preview episode, if you listen to that. Um, But when I recorded that, I kind of purposely only glanced across some of these subjects because I knew I'd want to flesh them out in more detail in in dedicated shows. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm going to talk about, you know, interacting with parents back then and the kind of triangle, you know, between you, your video games, and your parents and what that was like. Um, Some, you know, fun stories there. Some Christmas-related stories. 
I'm glad that those are kind of, you know, seems kind of coincidental, kind of falling, um, you know, at, at this point in the year where it's kind of appropriate. So that's kind of, you know, kind of fun. Glad that that's uh, here for all of you to hear. And, um, and then I move on through just some kind of things I remember about, um, you know, my perceptions and feelings and um, using different kind of peripherals for the Atari systems and um, interacting with the community that I remember very well. Like the, and when I say community, I mean, normally when you say that today, you're talking about something on the internet. What I mean in this context is, you know, riding the bus to school and talking about Atari games or being out on the playground at recess and talking about Atari or hanging out with your siblings and cousins where Atari just, you know, it ruled ruled your world. It was, it was very important. And now it's just kind of a side thing that we, we talk about in our free time for, you know, just for fun. But I think, you know, it was a, it was a huge thing for us back then. Let's admit it, you know. And uh, that's why doing this sort of thing is really fun. And uh, I think that uh, I'm really confident that some of this stuff here is gonna you're you're gonna enjoy listening to it if you're an Atari kid like me. So um, let's get started with uh, part one of two. We were Atari kids. tuning in currently sitting in a hotel room in Europe traveling for work and I had a little bit of alone time here so I thought I'd take advantage of it and do a little bit of recording this particular hotel room has old plaster walls and kind of a tall cavernous type ceiling so it might be a bit echoey but I apologize for that but we're going to work with it and speaking of that, this is one of the weirdest hotel rooms I've ever been in. Walk in, turn to the left, and there's like a whole other room. Go up this step and to your right, and then there's the bathroom. And the shower head is mounted on the wrong wall. No curtain whatsoever. So if you turn the shower on, it basically just sprays water all over the bathroom. What I have to do is turn the shower head completely to the right so that the water basically runs down the back wall rather than spraying out into the floor where I'm going to slip and kill myself. Kind of weird, right? But I don't know. It has a strange charm to it. It's not dirty or anything, so I'm not going to complain. Aside from the podcast-related gear here, it came suitably equipped for any self-respecting retro gamer. And actually, remember when I was boarding the plane on the way over, thinking to myself, and I'm going through, you know, the the airport security where you got those humorless guards that are just there to just ruin your day. When all my stuff is going through the, the little conveyor belt thing and the x-ray and all that, I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, please, please do not open my backpack. <laughs> And question me on anything that's in there. I mean, not that there's anything explosive or or dangerous or, or or any contraband, but there were two game controllers, USB game controllers, an Atari Lynx with probably fifteen games, and a Game Boy with probably ten games or so. You know, I guess there's nothing wrong with that per se, but. I'm not sure the common folks out there really have the same understanding of why somebody my age would be carrying this stuff with him with no children until, I don't know, I have a feeling I might get some um, questions that might be awkward to answer, but whatever. We stand proud. We represent, right? Right. 
Anyway, actually, no joke. When the bag went through the x-ray, I did get pulled aside. And I'm thinking, oh no, here we go. He's going to pull out a 25-year-old handheld. He's going to look at me like I'm a retard. Why are you carrying this? But turns out what triggered him to pull the um, bag into secondary in inspection was I had one of those adapter things that you use to take, you know, North American style plugs and plug them into a European style, like a converter or adapter or whatever you want to call it. I guess they didn't really recognize that on the x-ray. And so they pulled my stuff aside to investigate. And as soon as they determined that's what it was, I was like, oh, hey guys, look, it's just one of these. Ha <laughs> ha. And then they gave it back and I was on my way. This episode's called We Were Atari Kids. I'm sure that this will not be the first podcast you've ever listened to where somebody talked about the Atari 2600. And in fact, for this quote-unquote genre of podcast, it might be the most overdone topic, but who cares? This will be my take on the matter. There's always room for one more, Right? Not only that, but the kind of scope of this episode as I plan it kind of grew over time. And I'm going to talk not just about the Atari 2600, but in keeping with the theme of we were Atari kids, I'm also going to get a little bit into the Atari 7800, how we transitioned from one to the other. So if we're going to take it all the way back to where it all began, we're going to go back to about 1982. My mom had this friend of hers who was living, who lived a few blocks away from us. This friend had a son who was about, you know, roughly the same age as my brother and I. And um, one day my mom was going over there and she brought my brother and I along. I was kind of excited to go over on this particular day because I remember my mom telling us just before that that this family had, um, picked up this new entertainment system, this thing that hooks up your TV and plays games called Atari. That's all I knew about it. I had never heard about it before. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know what a video game was. But the way it was described to me sounded just incredibly cool. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. So we're in the car on the way over there, and I'm just... Like, just brimming with anticipation to get there. So we get there, and this particular friend of my mom's, she was she was the type of parent who always made the children earn their playtime on things like video games. So it was the, the standard, you guys got to go outside and play, it's a nice day. And I'm thinking, God, are you kidding me? I'm here. That Atari thing is over there, and I gotta go outside and play. This sucks. So we didn't really have much of a choice. So we went out and played tag or or whatever we did. I don't remember, but eventually we had spent enough time outside to earn our time inside. I still remember clear as day walking in that front door, and there was this old green kind of seventies shag carpet and across the room on the left there was one of those great big TVs that kind of is like a floor standing TV that sits in this big wooden case with a kind of roundish convex screen there was a shelf off to the side that that was where the Atari was and I knew right away when I saw it because I didn't recognize it and I didn't know what it was so this kid that we were hanging out with. His name was Matt. He pulls out the Atari, plugs in what I now know to be a cartridge into the system, and he turns it on. And it's Space Invaders. So that was, in retrospect, kind of a momentous moment for me because that was the very first video game 
I had ever laid eyes on. Up until just before that visit, I didn't even know what video games were. So it's kind of hard to picture, but it was exciting. So Matt played a few rounds and kind of showed us how it worked. And the more as I'm watching him play, I'm just getting more and more excited. And my brother as well. I'm like, this looks amazing. And so after he was done, he gave us the controller, let us try. And, you know, we completely sucked. But it was fun. So then he turns that game off, puts in another one. And I'm starting to quickly learn how this works. Oh, okay, so you take that little tape thing out, and then you put another one in, and there's another program that plays. I see. Okay, very neat. Next game, Pac-Man. The infamous Pac-Man. He gave me the controller, and I remember I would go right up dead. And then next life, go right up dead. So I just did basically retrace the same path like three or four times until the game was over. And I think I scored a total of about six points. It was a complete joke. It's funny because all these years later, my brother and I both still remember that, and my brother still kind of ribs me about it once in a while. Anyway, so fast forward a little bit later, um, probably a few months after that, I was spending a weekend over at a, a different friend's house out in the country. Um, when that weekend was over, this friend's parents were dropping me back off at my house. And so I get out of the car. And I remember it was like a bright, sunny day. And my dad was outside working in the yard. And I walk up the driveway. And he greets me. He's like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Welcome home. And he just has this big grin on his face. And he says, well, guess what we got? And I said, I don't know. What do we got? He goes, well, I'll give you a hint. It starts with A and it hooks up to your television. Now, I don't know why that line has stuck with me all these years, but that is what he said. And, of course, I knew instantly what that meant. That's all he had to say. I left nothing but a vapor trail. I was inside. Where is it? Show me the Atari. Give me that joystick. That's what I did. Went inside. And at the time, our television set was basically right beyond the front door. So I walk in the front front door, and there's there's the TV. Same deal as at Matt's house. The big floor standing television right there in the in the family room. And there it was. So I sat down. I turned it on. Took me a little while to figure out how to how to work it, but at that moment, all we had was combat. But my uh, mom and my brother were gone. The reason they weren't home was because they were out shopping for more Atari games. I'm like, sweet. They only came home with one game that day, and it was Pac-Man. Now I say only, like that's a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing at the time. To have an Atari with combat and Pac-Man, good enough. Let's do it. That was the beginning of something big for my brother and I. To a lesser extent, my sister, she was a few years younger than us. Um, so she she started to pick up on it in the later years. But at this early stage, she was just way too young to, to appreciate anything. This would have been, like I said... I'm not 100% sure, but it would be 1982, 83, somewhere in there. At that time, my brother and I, we had no idea that this this system, this, this platform was five, six years old at that time. Like we just didn't know any better. Um, because up until that fateful visit to my uh, mom's friend's house, we didn't even know what it was. Which brings me to another thing that I, I've kind of pieced together and been confused about. I'm 100% certain that the system we had, that first one that we got, was a so-called light sixer. That's the the classic-looking wood grain Atari 2600. Um, actually, I think at the time it still would have been officially called Atari VCS, Video Computer System, with the wood grain and has the six switches on the front. Based on what I've learned in the meantime i don't really understand how that's the system we ended up with if it was bought brand new 
at the time that my dad bought it. Um, because I believe that by 1982, there had already been two other models released. The the four-switch Woody, the one that basically looks the same as the one we had, but only the um, difficulty switches were moved off the front. And then the um, 1982 or so, the uh, the all-black so-called um, Vader 2600. And actually, that's the the first revision of the hardware that was officially called Atari 2600. And our cousins actually had that model. So for my dad to buy a brand new console in 82, 83, and for it to be a six-switch Woody, that just seems kind of strange to me. I don't know, was it maybe leftover stock? Or was it like a sign of the crash, which happened around that time? You know, people returning systems and maybe overstock or something like that. I don't know. I think I'm overthinking this, but I'm 100% certain that our system had the wood grain and it had six switches on the front. So, anyway, maybe that will forever remain a mystery. And speaking of the crash, um, obviously, we had no idea that that went on. I mean, we didn't, if we didn't know what Atari was, then obviously we didn't realize what a crash would even mean. You know, in the time I've spent surfing the online forums and for, you know, Atari Age and all that, a lot of people say the same thing. They say, gee, this crash happened. I didn't even know what was happening. Yeah, I guess when you're a kid, you don't you don't realize those things, right? And I'm, I'm not going to talk more about the crash. I, I think that topic has been beaten to an absolute pulp. And um, I, I have no desire to talk about it or to hear about it anymore. But So we're going to move on. It's no exaggeration to say that, you know, with the introduction of Atari to our family and our lives, it was it's just this really special time. I mean, I don't, I know I don't need to explain this to you guys if you're listening to this because you know exactly what I'm feeling or what I'm talking about. I mean, even my parents at the time, you know, this is kind of weird. I did the math at the time that. We got that Atari. My mom and dad would would have been 34 and 36 years old, respectively, which is younger than I am now, which kind of blows my mind to think about. That just makes it seem like so much longer ago than it is. But anyway, that time period was the only time period in my life where my parents showed any interest in video uh, in video games, or indeed any interest in any quote-unquote toy of mine. I remember they would send us to bed early just so that they could hog the Atari. Like, they would make some reason why we needed to go to bed. But we quickly figured out that they were doing that just so that we would get out of their hair and they could play with the Atari. And to this day, my mom still still tells a story once in a while about how she was in a bowling league at the time, and one of her really good friends from back in the 80s, who she doesn't really associate with anymore, I think they kind of just grew apart, but they're hanging out at bowling, having a few drinks afterwards, and and this friend tells my mom about this game called Frogger, and she's just raving about it. You gotta get a copy of Frogger. You gotta get it. You gotta get this game. You're gonna love it. It's amazing. So that's what my mom did. She, just based on her friend's recommendation, she went out and just bought Frogger, and brought it home. And her and her and my dad just dug right into that. I mean, of course, we tried to as well when they would let us. Um, but they would stay up till three or four in the morning playing this. And they always completely sucked. I mean, it didn't take long for my brother and I to surpass whatever 
heights they were able to reach in the game. But they they would always just burst out laughing every time the you know you hear the bleep bleep splat when the frog you know kind of gets run over by a car and turns into that hex on the road. They they just thought that was hilarious and it just seemed, never seemed to get old. Uh, even to this day, my mom, like I said, she she tells that story once in a while if Atari comes up at the dinner table and I'm, when I'm visiting. And fairly recently, they were over and I, I had the Atari out and we were. Um, and and any time that happens, they're always like, "Well, let's play Frogger. Let's play Frogger. That's the only game they remember." So you give them the controller and it's like bleep bleep splat, and every time the frog gets squashed, they just burst out laughing. I don't I don't think it's that funny myself, but it's kind of funny to watch them think it's funny. If that makes any sense. Anyway, their interest. In the Atari, thankfully for us, didn't really last. I seem to remember Qbert kind of being the kiss of death. My mom was, I think, kind of riding the wave of enthusiasm from Frogger. And we got Qbert, and she tried to play that. I think she watched us play it and kind of thought it looked cool, looked kind of cute, you know, neat concept. In her mind, she's thinking, well, let me try that. Of course, you give her the joystick, and she just has absolutely no clue how to get her mind around the strange controls in that game. Like, in retrospect, I don't think they're strange. I am so used to the controls in Atari 2600 Qbert. It's just, it's burned in my brain. It's always going to be second nature to me what direction to push to make Qbert jump in the direction I want. But I guess I can kind of see how it might be a little bit of a learning curve because it's not um, unless you hold the joystick on an angle like I believe is recommended in the manual what, I think that's ridiculous but it, there might be a little bit of a learning curve to get used to that but anyway all my every time my mom would take the controller she'd just be like jumping off the edge and splat jump off the edge splat she's like screw this I give up and that was it after Frogger wore out Hubert discouraged and that was it and then from that point on, Atari, and indeed video games as a whole, became just the realm of the kids. Which suited us just fine. More time for us, right? But it did start to cause problems with you know, television usage. Because the nice TV in the front room, that's supposed to be the family room. Of course, my parents want to watch their Magnum P.I., or Hawaii Five O, or whatever it was they were watching, and obviously they can't do that if there's an Atari hooked up to it and we're sitting in front of it. So we got kicked out of the living room, and the uh, us and the Atari kicked out of the living room. We were uh, relegated to the basement using a old black and white TV. I mean, this thing was old even at the time. You know, as you all know, the Atari 2600 has the color black and white switch. Well, I can raise my hand and say I used the black and white switch legitimately on a black and white TV for extended periods of time. And you know what? It was cool. It was still... There's something... I wish I still had that TV, to be honest with you. That was, it was kind of cool. It was about a... I don't know, probably a 13-inch screen or so. This white plastic case TV. Uh, the image was really sharp. The sound worked fine. So, you know, I just didn't really care. Remember, after the after getting kicked out of the living room, the, the Atari was just kind of moved in a box down into the basement, and I got home from uh, school, and I'm like, what? I, I got I to gotta play it. I but it's not hooked up. What am I going to do? And my mom said, well, you're just going to have to wait for your father to get home. And I'm like, I'm not waiting for my father to get home. So I rolled up my sleeves as a five-year-old kid, and I figured out how to hook that sucker up. Got the butter knife out of the kitchen drawer. You know, got those little screw terminals on the back of those old TVs with the, the RF switch box. It's got those little forks. Yeah, and I, I figured it out. Not that it took an incredible amount of brain power to do so, 
I figured it out. So we used that TV for actually quite a while, like I said, but then my uh, parents, I guess, decided to upgrade us. Actually, I don't know if they did, if they got this other TV to upgrade us. Actually, they probably didn't. They probably just found a good deal on it and bought it, and we just ended up using it more than them. But it was a, I want to say 14, 15-inch color TV that went down in the basement. So we quickly hooked up the Atari to that. And, in fact, that that particular TV, it was still had the the dials and the um, old-fashioned knobs on it, so, you know, no remote control or, or digital anything. And that particular TV actually ended up being our main gaming TV through all of the other console generations. And not only that, but I still have that TV today. A couple of years ago, shortly after I kind of got back into retro gaming, I was over at my parents' house, and uh, I was in uh, the garage with my dad, and I just saw it over in the corner kind of covered in a rag and collecting dust. And I said, are you using that? And he goes, oh, no, I used to use that to watch the football games when I'm out here, but blah, 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 I don't need it anymore. But my dad has this, like, he's kind of, he's not a hoarder, but he has a really hard time. He's one of those old school, old school mentality where it was something's working that you paid money for. You just really hard to throw it out. You know, in stark contrast to our generation where you have all these disposable gadgets and all that. And I'm like, I'll take that off your hands. And he, he, I think he was just kind of elated. Like, yeah, that's great. It doesn't have to go in the garbage. You want it, take it. So I took it, and um, that's the TV I use now for my consoles. Well, my retro consoles. Still works fine. Great. Like I said, it's an sm- old, small TV, but it's just, I don't care. It's, it's nice to have that kind of link to bridge the gap there. Back then, everybody had Atari. Our cousins, we have a bunch of cousins on my mom's side who are like roughly the same age as my brother and I. Um, like I said, my sister was a little bit on the younger side. All of those cousins had Ataris. All of my childhood friends around that time, all kinds of neighborhood kids that I remember that weren't even really friends, that just I could just kind of knew them. But they were all part of this culture, this, this, you know, we were the Atari kids. That's what we did. In retrospect, I think this, all of this fanfare among, you know, those family groups and friends and people at school kind of helped obscure the fact that by that time, the system really was kind of getting on in years, right? Don't get me wrong, it was still exciting in a kind of a vast well of entertainment potential for us. Like we didn't know any better, but it was, the system was kind of getting long in the tooth by this point. But right around that age, that's when I started asking parents, oh, can we sleep over? You know, can I have these sleepovers? It's kind of an exciting thing when you, you have friends sleep over or you sleep over at a friend's house and you have these moments where you actually feel like you're not 100% supervised all the time even though the parents are watching from afar they just let you believe that they're not Um, so we'd stay up, you know stay up later than we normally would ooh, how rebellious, right? and we'd play Atari all night they'll bring over stacks of cartridges shoe boxes full of cartridges to each other's houses and just just play for hours. A couple months ago, I was over at my parents, and um, my sister's big into. She loves the you know family history type stuff, like recalling certain things from when we were kids, and she loves old artifacts, and she's just really fascinated by that stuff. So, she had dug out this this bag of of school works from from us, from the, you know, from our childhoods, from the 80s. Like, things like, things we made in art class. Um, drawings we did. 
um, journals. We did this thing. I don't know if you guys did this, but when I was in kindergarten, grade one, grade two, actually, I'm Canadian. I think you guys, if you're American, call it second grade, first grade. Anyway, you get the idea. In those grades, we would have these journals. I seem to remember they were filled out daily, pretty sure. Every morning, you get to school and you have to do a little journal entry, just some blurb, like a quick sentence or something. And then you have to draw a picture to show or to illustrate what you did, what you, what you did the night before or whatever you wanted to say in your journal. And so a few of these journals were in this bag of old relics. My uh, sister managed to dig out of my parents' attic. And it's just hilarious leafing through there because looking at my journals, because there's, it's like every third or fourth page, it's, I was over at Steven's house and we played Atari. I went over to Kevin's and we went outside and then we played Atari. And there's just these really ridiculous crude drawings of like a television set, like in crayon, drawn in crayon with these great big joysticks and us with a little kid sitting there with mullets and like red noses. These great big joysticks playing Atari. It's just hilarious to see that now. Because obviously I don't remember drawing any of that, but to see it just kind of there, there it is. Just candid moment in time from when I was a kid. Just back when all this was, was current. Very cool to see. So that kind of Atari-centric culture, you know, amongst us, or you know, extended family, local kids. You know, that, that meant that all kinds of, of games and peripherals for Atari, you know, passed through our basement much more than the stuff that our parents bought for us directly. So we had the benefit of enjoying and sharing all the stuff that, you know, other people would bring over or that we would see when we went over there. You know, among the, uh, you know, the most conspicuous, let's say, or important of peripherals for the Atari, you have uh, the, the different controllers. Like, there's some pretty cool stuff if you think about it. Like, for me, the, the, the standard Atari 26, uh, 2600 joystick, what's it called? I believe it's CX40. I think that's it. But you know what I'm talking about, the standard Atari joystick. That's still probably my favorite one to use. Um, and even at the time, it was... I had a hard time finding anything that, that would top it. I mean, it was responsive. You, you know, we really got used to it. It does kind of cramp the hands now as a full-grown adult. But, you know, relative to certain other um, contemporaneous controllers... I know that's a big word. Let's say other controllers of the same time, like television, ColecoVision, and to get a little bit later, Atari 7800. I think the standard Atari joystick is aged better than those. But I guess it's all, all a matter of perspective, right? Our uh, particular system also came with a set of the... Uh, Paddle controllers. Never really understood why they called them paddle controllers. I guess maybe because you play paddle games with it. I don't know. But those, I remember, went through several sets of those because they would always get, we'd use them for a little while and then they would start to get all jittery. Like you, you try and play Kaboom and, you, and your buckets at the bottom of the screen are just wiggling and jittering around. It, it became frustrating to the point of almost making the game impossible. Um, so we, we would be going through all kinds of uh, sets of paddles. You know, nowadays I know that they're easy to fix. At the time, I didn't. we didn't know how to fix them. My parents couldn't be bothered trying to fix them, so they would just buy us new ones. Or if we got lucky, friends would come over and leave a, leave a set there, and we'd never give them back. We did that a lot. You know, not willingly. We're not... Um, thoughtful malice or anything like that, but hey, you leave it there and don't ask for it back, we'll gladly take care of it for you. 
That was our attitude. To us. We also had to try out a, a few different kind of, I guess you'd call it third party joysticks. One I remember was it was called The Boss. And I believe that's by Wicko or Wico. Wicko. Never really knew how to pronounce that. But it had a plastic gray colored base and like a black kind of pistol grip stick with a fire button on the top that you use that you would uh, hit with your thumb and you know that thing you know it looks cool on the on the box and it's got a cool name the boss but I always found that thing darn sloppy I just I just didn't like it I remember one illustrative incident comes to mind there was like I said we we'd always have you know sleepovers with friends and play games late into the night I remember one night, this friend of my brother's was over, um, and you know it was probably way past our bedtime, and we were downstairs playing Atari, and we were really getting into Frostbite. All three of us, my brother, me, and this friend, were all pretty evenly matched, and we were getting pretty decent scores for the time, probably up around 300,000. I can do better than that now, by the way, but not a whole lot better. We had this just assortment of joysticks kind of laying around, and and this and this kid that was over, Chris, he he grabbed uh, it was his turn, so he, he grabs the boss and plugs it in. And I remember he was not playing nearly up to his potential. I, I'd seen him play before, and he was running his mouth about how he was going to beat our scores and everything, and he was just sucking. He was dying left and right. And he kept saying, uh, every time his little guy would drown, he'd be like, I can't use this joystick. I can't use this joystick. And just the way he said that, I can't use this joystick. That's another one of those those phrases that has just stuck for my brother and I to this day. That still gets brought up every now and then. Like we'll be playing... I remember uh, last summer we were playing a, a game uh, um, on... Uh, my, one of my main cabinets and at the time I had these crappy joysticks in there and my brother and I were playing and he, and he kept he kept dying and every, he, every time he died he'd look at me and like, I can't use this joystick I can't use this joystick so anyway the boss kind of has a legacy for us sucks then there was the Wicko um, there was another Wicko uh, one that was fairly common at the time it had the, the, the black base black black and red base I think and a big red button and then a like a red colored bat stick bat shaped stick with a a white button on the top of the stick I looked this thing up and I from what I can tell it's called the command control that one was a bit better than the boss never owned that one ourselves but remember um, using that one a fair bit at our next door neighbor's house, they had a, uh, a C64 and um, used that joystick. Um, play a lot of C64 games like Minor 2049er and a few others. That one seemed to work quite well. Another one I remember is this Epix 500 XJ. Best I can tell, that's, that's kind of an 80s attempt at an ergonomic design. You know, it kind of fits in the palm of your hand. Which is, I guess, a novel idea. And, and I know that this this particular product has, has its advocates in the uh, in the retro community here. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not one of them. The clicky, clicky sound that thing made. Um, and the idea of kind of wrapping your fingers around... To, to click the button I just found that very fatiguing I don't know it just to hold it in your hand and do nothing with it yeah it was nice but as soon as you try and play a game with it I just wasn't into it one bit but your mileage will vary another one I remember was the um, slick stick this one was one of the only third party controllers I ever remember liking at all 
you know, it was kind of a nice smooth shell. Maybe a little easier to hold than the, uh, the standard Atari joystick. But it had a, a nice responsive short throw to it. I don't know, I remember liking that one a lot. I haven't seen one in years. I've been able to, of course, find pictures of it on the internet, but I haven't actually held it in my hands for a long time. But I remember liking that one. And another one I've tried is the Coleco Gemini controller. Now, if you don't know what the Gemini is, that was actually a system that was marketed by Coleco, but it was basically an Atari 2600. The guts of it were Atari 2600. You could plug in Atari 2600 cartridges and it, and it would play them, but this was a system marketed by Coleco. Now, it's kind of mind-blowing that, that that was possible, but my understanding of that is that the 2600 was basically designed using off-the-shelf components, so there was there was no way to really prevent somebody from doing this. Because there were the... Coleco also had that... Um, was it Coleco? Yeah, they had that expansion module on the Coleco Vision that would play Atari cartridges. Uh, I can... Can you even imagine? That must have made... That must have made the big wigs at Atari just mental. Like, just... They must have been... Fuming, mad that other companies were doing this and just biting into their market. But they were able to get away with it, so they did. Anyway, shortly after I, I got back into the uh, retro gaming a couple years ago, a friend of mine, he found in a, a what do you call it, Atari 2600 Junior, kind of tucked away in his crawl space with a small box full of games and some other odds and ends. I, I was over there one day and I saw it and I'm like, oh, you, where'd you get this? He's like, oh, I, I found that in uh, the crawl space. Completely forgot I had it. And uh, he said, do you want it? I said, oh yeah, I'll take it. He just gave it to me. So I brought that home. The 2600 Junior didn't work. I had to uh, take it apart and clean it up and um, tinker with it a little bit, but I got it working. Works just fine now. I keep it as backup in storage at my place. Um, but in that box of goodies was a, Coleco, a couple of uh, Coleco Gemini controllers. I'd never seen them before. I'd never used them before. But they're they're not bad. They have uh, this kind of skinny joystick with a button on the side. They're like a combination um, joystick slash paddle. So each controller has a stick and like a dial to play paddle games. That's kind of cool. Kind of handy. And in the joysticks, they're, they're not my favorite. I still don't like them as much as the standard CX-40, but not bad. I am um, glad that I have them available as, as a backup. And that's about all I remember from the uh, from the controllers. I know there are probably several others. You know, these generic kind of pistol grip type ones that with the suction cups on them and all that. I, I I probably seem to remember kind of using those here and there, but never really get into those. Another thing I remember from around that time is we'd we'd bring the Atari everywhere. We had this beige suitcase. My parents, I don't know if it was their old luggage, but they weren't using it. It was my brother and I found it kind of tucked away in the storage area of our house and just kind of co-opted it. We uh, brought it out, dusted it off, and it was kind of it was perfect. It was like a beige color, and it was kind of a hard shell. So it didn't cave in if something heavy was put on top of it. And you open it up, it has the little latches where you you spread them apart and they open up. And it had this kind of musty smell and this kind of felt like black lining in it with little pouches and pockets all through it. As soon as we saw that thing, we're like, this is it. 
this is our Atari carrier. So we tear down the Atari. The console would fit perfectly in the suitcase, and then in the corner of it, and then we'd take a couple of controllers and a set of paddles, stuff them off to the right side, take the all the cables, the the uh, AC adapter, stick that in the little pouch at the top, and then that would leave just enough room for not all of our games, but we would be able to pick, say, 15 cartridges that we were playing at the time, at any given time, and uh, stuff those in there. And you close this thing, and it, it all fit in there so nicely that once the thing was closed, it, uh, the contents barely even shuffled around inside. It was great. I wish I still had that, that thing, because um, I'd use it to store Max for Atari. So we'd thusly pack up our Atari, and we'd, like I said earlier, bring it everywhere. Summer vacations. I remember in the 80s going to like cottages that would and we'd, we'd bring a tv along bring this beige suitcase full of atari and we would uh set it up in one of the rooms we wouldn't spend too much time in there but it was always something for us to do typically well the parents and everybody else was probably out playing cards and drinking beer we'd be off in the bedroom playing mr do or pressure cooker or any number of games and another place we'd uh, bring the Atari to a lot was my grandparents house they they lived out of town so every time we went there we would pack that sucker up and bring it it became kind of a running joke because we'd show up and my grandmother who obviously is you know has no idea doesn't understand video games at all. She would see this this case and, you know, ask us, you know, what's in there? And we'd try to explain why we always showed up carrying this beige suitcase and why we would always retreat upstairs after dinner. You know, not just my brother, me and my sister, but all those cousins I told you about earlier. We'd all go up there. Everyone would bring their cartridges and we'd just take turns to sit around that TV up in this bedroom and play for hours. It was great. I still remember my, my grandmother. She could never pr- pr- pronounce um, Atari correctly. She would always call it Atari. So you brought your Atari again? And then it just got to the point where we stopped correcting her and just started calling it Atari when she was around. Kind of funny. You know, it's kind of related to what I said earlier about that, that journal from school that I told you about. Something along those lines, um, recently, semi-recently, it's kind of funny how these, um, kind of along those lines, these artifacts from your past just kind of pop up when you least expect it. We were watching this home movie or home video, whatever you, what do you call it when you, the camcorder, the VHS camcorders. My dad had one of those and he, he took it everywhere and filmed everything. It was such a novelty at the time. This would be in the mid-80s. So we were watching one of those videos. I think it was Christmas 1986. The video starts at our house. We're sitting around the Christmas tree, opening gifts. Um, And actually, I remember in that video, there were actually a few Atari games. Um, I think Centipede was one of them. I forget what else, but we all have those uh, fond memories of getting video games on Christmas morning. But then this this particular video of Christmas 86, then it follows us to, you know, we go out of town to my grandmother's. Of course, we've packed up the Atari and the beige suitcase. The video transitions to the kids, you know, and this time not just us, but the cousins and everything sitting around. And there's another session of opening presents and all that. You know, as a side, these these types of videos uh, they're 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 priceless, right? And any of you who who have something similar, I know you, you know what I mean. They're they're absolutely priceless. You wouldn't trade them for anything. But damn, are they boring, right? You watch 
five minutes of this and you can see, okay, oh, that's what I looked like. Oh, that's what Jenny looked like. Oh, look at Uncle Bob, and, you know, and you get your laugh. But then after you've kind of seen your glimpse of that time, it's like, oh, my God, this is boring. But anyway, so transition the video transitions from, from that gift-giving session to... You start seeing, you know, it starts focusing more on the adults. Like at the time, my parents and my aunts and uncles and grandparents. And, you know, the, you know, us kids are kind of off in the background. Who knows what we're doing, right? But, you know, you can tell that the parents are starting to maybe feel a little bit of a warm glow from the wine. And they're, they're singing Rolling Stone songs and got their arms around each other. And they're having a merry old time, right? And then the video cuts to... All of my, all of the parents and my grandparents, they're sitting around a table and they're playing this game. Now, I, I can't even remember what game it was. It was some '80s home tabletop game, trivia type thing. I don't remember exactly. But of course, like I said earlier, my dad has to film everything, so he's actually filming them playing this game again. How boring can you get, right? But we're watching this video recently, and you can hear in the background this noise like this this like thumping noise and um remember my mom asking what is that noise in the background it was kind of intermittent you'd hear it for a second or for a few seconds and then it'd be silent and then you'd hear it again this this thumping noise and then it would stop and I knew instantly what that was it was us kids upstairs in the room basically right above where all of them were playing this uh, this trivia game. And we were playing Atari 2600 Track and Field. Now, if you're not familiar with um, Atari 2600 Track and Field, it it's a very, very good rendition, especially by Atari 2600 standards, but I think by any standard, in my opinion, of the arcade game. And it came with a special controller, that had to mimic the arcade control panel layout where you have the left and right run buttons and then a jump slash action button in the middle. So you, in most events, what you do is you have to pound the left and right buttons as fast as you can to pick up speed. And then when you come to the foul line, you got to hit the, hit the action button to throw the javelin or jump or whatever. And that's what we're hearing in the background of this video, us pounding the crap out of that controller kind of funny <laughs> you know and speaking of track and field that reminds me um, like I said earlier you know we all know Christmas is exciting time as a young fan of Atari you know something we all look back upon fondly right I remember in 1986 that's when in Christmas 1986 that's when we when we got track and field so that's probably why it was such a big hit upstairs when my parents were trying to play that trivia game. And I remember we hadn't asked for it. We'd, we'd seen the game um, probably at some bowling alley in the arcade or something like that and thought it was great. And then we found out that there there was an Atari version. So we just had to have it. So, we, you know, that was on number one on the Christmas list for us. Yeah, we were terrible. Uh, we would snoop around. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we'd snoop around try and find the gifts that um, that Santa bought for us or was going to bring us, right? Sure enough, we don't have to look. My, we didn't have to look very hard to find this unmistakable kind of Woolco shopping bag, and there it was, track and field, tucked away in this under these shelves in the laundry room of my parents' house. Basically, right next to where I found that beige suitcase. So we're downstairs, and um, we find this, and we actually we go so far as to to take it out of the bag and bring it out into into the main living area in the basement. And so we're we're sitting there on the couch holding this this game, like here it is, man, track and field. And I look at my brother and I say, "I'm opening this." He's like, "No way." I could tell he wanted me to do it, but at the same time he thought it was wrong. 
And I'm like, come on. No one will know. And so I opened the box. So we're holding the cartridge in our hands now, and, and we see this this controller, like the fancy blue plastic um, dedicated controller for, that comes with this game. He said, I'm playing it. Like for, for, for this guy who has had all the scruples about opening the box, now all of a sudden he's going to put the cartridge in and start playing it. So I wasn't going to argue, so I'm like, we walk over to the Atari. We started playing track and field, this gift that was going to be our Christmas gift probably several weeks before Christmas. I know, this is this is terrible. I'm not proud of this at all. But hey, I mean, we were, we were mischievous kids, just getting caught up in the moment. I know it's not my mom's fault, but I mean, come on, Mom. You're hiding the gifts down in the room where we hang out. Maybe not directly in the space we hang out in. The point is, we can stroll into the, the storage area without you even knowing, and we can snoop around all we want. You're, not, you're never going to know. So maybe you shouldn't have hid the game where we play. Anyways, I'm just kidding. We, we shouldn't have done this, but we did. And so we, we just played for a few minutes, and we, we were just kind of really excited. Like, this game is going to be great. Can't wait to get it on Christmas. And so we, we packed it up, put it away. Then the next day, or maybe a couple of days later, we have some friends over and we start telling them about it. And we're like, let's go play it again. So we go get it again. Sneak it out, carefully unpackage it, start playing it for a little while. Carefully pack it back up and put it away. And we did this several times. I remember the funniest part to think about now was one time we went back there, got the game, put it into the, the Atari, we're playing it, and then my mom comes downstairs. Like, she never... We knew when she was about to come downstairs and when she wouldn't. If she's upstairs watching our soap operas, we knew we were, we were clear. But she ambushed us. She comes downstairs. You have no warning. You hear, you hear a few footsteps coming down the stairs, and that's not nearly enough time to pack this thing up or turn the system off, pack this thing up, and, and get rid of the evidence. So we just froze. And so she comes over and starts talking to us about cleaning our rooms or dentist appointments, something like that. And we're sitting there playing the game. It, it, it's on the screen, track and field. It says right there at the bottom, on the screen, this, this big blue controller sitting there on the floor in plain sight. And she's, my mom is sitting there talking to us. She has no idea. She has no idea that this game and this controller is, is the Christmas gift that she's going to give us in a few days. And then she turns around, walks away, and goes back upstairs. And we're just like, that was a close one. And that's going to wrap up part one of two of We Were Atari Kids here on the Pixel Advocate podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, at least a fraction, as much as I enjoyed recording it. And um, that was a really, like I said earlier, really, really fun one for me to do. And the, um, if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to, to talk about, or even if you want to send in an audio submission, um, I'd be happy to uh, listen to that and respond to it, talk about it on the air. You can get me at pixeladvocate at outlook.com. That's pixeladvocate, all one word, at outlook.com. And um, coming up shortly is going to be We Were Atari Kids Part 2 of 2. And um, on that one, it uh, takes a little bit of a turn. It's going to be a little different, but... um, I think you'll also get something out of that one as well if you like this one. So, Coming up on Christmas here, I think more than ever, may we all appreciate what we have today and in our fleeting spare moments, may we fondly reflect upon our pixel-perfect past. Bye for now. <laughs>